Peace to you. Welcome back to The Naked Truth. It's uh, Saturday? No, it's Sunday. Sorry. And so we're going to pick up where we left off in the Old Testament at the book of 2 Samuel. We made it to chapter 16. It's Christmas. How could I forget it's Saturday? So Merry Christmas to you. Let's begin with verse 1 of 2 Samuel chapter 16. When David was a little past the top of the mountain, there was Ziba, the son, servant of Mephibosheth, who met him with a couple of saddled donkeys, and on them 200 loaves of bread, 100 clusters of raisins, 100 summer fruits, and a skin of wine. So David is the same King David, David and Goliath David. Mephibosheth is the son of Saul, I'm sorry, son of Jonathan. David's um, modern terms would be lover. Um, even then they were lovers, even though it didn't say that they explicitly had sex. It said that David's love for him exceeded the love of women. So the most expressive way people usually show love uh, between the sexes is with sex. So for a love to exceed that, it would have to, I would think, include everything that you do with anyone who you have less love for. So whatever Jonathan was, that's what he was to David. And now Jonathan's son is Mephibosheth, the same one who was um, uh, disabled in his feet. He's met David now with, uh, or his servant has, with uh, a load of food since David is now on the run again, being exiled, not this time by Saul, um, Mephibosheth's granddaddy, but instead by his own son, Absalom. He's on the run from his son, who's uh, planned a coup and ex executed it successfully and taken the throne from him. Verse 2. And the king said to Ziba, what do you mean to do with these? So Ziba said, the donkeys are for the king's household to ride on, the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine for those who are faint in the wilderness to drink. So King David is asking Ziba what is, what's going on, what's he, where is he going with all that, those provisions? And so he's answered him that they're for him and his crew so that they can have sustenance on the way as they're leaving uh, the kingdom. Verse 3, then the king said, and where is your master's son? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he's staying in Jerusalem, for he said, today the house of Israel will restore the kingdom of my father to me. So now whether the servant, um, Mephibosheth's um, servant, is being honest with with uh, what he just said, that the uh, um, Jonathan's son chose not to also meet David, because he was waiting to succeed to the throne himself, or whether the servant is throwing some dirt in the game himself um, to gain favor more so than uh, Jonathan's son. It's not real clear, but he's um, not painting a very good picture of uh, Jonathan's son in that he's willing to, instead of be loyal to David, who has looked out for him and given him the things that Saul, his grandfather, had when he was alive, uh, David did restore those to him when he really didn't have to do that. Um, and instead of being loyal for that reason or any other reason, he's instead decided to hang back in the kingdom so that the kingdom will be his. It, at least that's what the servant is saying. And so Jonathan, um, David is asking the servant, why didn't um, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth uh, come with him too? And I say that he might be, the, the servant might be being dishonest about that because why would the servant be um, um, compelled to bring all of those provisions to David? It's not like 
David did anything for him, for Ziba. He did all those things for Jonathan's son. So for the servant, uh, Ziba, to get all of those provisions and take them to David, it would seem to me, it, I don't know, could be wrong, and maybe the, we'll read that as we keep going, that it'd have to be Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, who sent those things so that David could have provisions while he's on the way, him and his company. Uh, but that may not be the case. Maybe it is just Ziba who's come out of his own pocket to make sure that David would have something to eat while they're on while they're exiled on the run. Um, but that doesn't really make sense. But maybe we'll see. Verse four. So the king said to Ziba, "Here, all that belongs to Mephibosheth is yours." And Ziba said, "I humbly bow before you, that I may find favor in your sight, my lord, O king." So just like that, David's faithfulness is fleeting. He feels, it seems, spurred, spurred by um, by um, Mephibosheth not showing up to meet him and um, bring the provisions personally, uh, whether they're sent by his servant or not. So David, just like that, decides that everything that he'd given to Mephibosheth that was Saul's is now uh, Mephibosheth's servant. Now it all belongs to Ziba. Now, he's the king, or at least he was, but he's left the throne, so he really can't not rightfully pronounce such a thing as that, that, okay, now all that was his is yours, but that's what he's doing, even though he's not sitting on the throne anymore. Not only that, if he did do that and meant it when he gave it to Jonathan's son of Ebersheth, then he can't just turn around and take it back from him. That'd be what you call in America Indian giving. It's a shady name to call it that since it's the Americans, uh, the colonizers who did the reneging on different treaties that were made with the Native American people, not the other way around. Yet, just like so many other things in history, the lie becomes more popular than the truth. So they call that Indian giving when you give something to someone and then take it back. Um, that's what David just did. Um, he's given those things to Mephibosheth and now he's taking them back from him without even telling him and giving them to Ziba, his servant, instead. So that would be one reason that the servant would um, be motivated to stab Mephibosheth in the back if Mephibosheth was the one who actually did send those provisions and not the servant Ziba himself. But again, why would Ziba come up with those provisions himself? He doesn't, there's no relationship between him and David at this point. Um, but whatever the case may be, we're just reading it. So make sense of it how best you can. Um, verse five, now, when King David came to Baharim, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, coming from there. He came out cursing continuously as he came. So David is on his way um, and made it to another area called Baharim. And as he's getting there, there's someone else using foul language, cussing and clowning as he passes by. Verse 6, and he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. So David is flanked by his warriors with him as he's leaving. And Shimei, the person who's cussing and clowning, is throwing rocks at them as they go. What's he upset about? Let's see. Verse 7. Also, Shimei said thus. Did we skip one? No. Verse 7. Also, Shimei said thus when he cursed. Come out, come out, you bloodthirsty man, you rogue. So Shimei is calling David out for some of his ways, that calling him bloodthirsty and a thief. That's what a rogue is. And that's actually true. That's what he has done in more ways than one. 
uh, the bloodthirsty part is clear, but so also with the thief part, like what he just did with the servant of Mephibosheth. He's stealing that property that he'd given to him just because of what the servant said and now giving it to the servant without even finding out if the servant's being honest with what he said or not. Uh, that's not honorable. Uh, so the man Shimi is not all that wrong in him calling David out for what he's doing. And again, David isn't the king anymore. He's left the throne so that his son could take over because he didn't want to fight with his son. Verse 8, the, Lord's, the Lord has brought upon you all the blood of house of Saul in whose place you've reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you're caught in your own evil because you are a bloodthirsty man. So Shimei is not wrong in the thing he's, things he's saying. Now, whether it's actually the Lord behind it or not, I guess that would be up for debate. If you go by what we've read um, so far, it seems that it would be the Lord doing it because um, that's what was promised to David by the Lord. And I'm just saying Lord, because if you've read with me before, and I'm saying it's Lord because that's how it's translated in English. But the word name that it's translated from is Jehovah in the original Hebrew language that the scripture is written. Whether you believe that's God Almighty or not, that's up to you. Um, uh, and if you've read with me before, you know what I mean. So um, if you've read with me before also or read it yourself, you know that what he's saying is not all that wrong. He, David was told that because he killed, because at first he, um, he took another man's wife and had sex with her, whether it was voluntary, voluntary on her part or not, then got her pregnant and then murdered her husband by sending him to war and arranging for him to be killed in battle. That's all the things that King David did so that he could uh, get the man's wife, Bathsheba, Solomon's mama. So um, the things that Shimei is calling him out for are not inaccurate. It's true. And the whole part about um, the kingdom being delivered to his son is also part of the prophecy or a curse, if you will, that was pronounced on David for his actions that he would have division and strife in his family from now on because he had done those things to bust up Uriah's family, take his wife and impregnate her and even have him killed. So all those accusations Shimei is giving him are not false. Verse 9, Then Abishai, the son of Zariah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Please, let me go over and take off his head. So one of the people traveling along with David, one of his family members, that's who Zariah is, so Abishai is one of his sons, is telling King David that he'll go ahead and kill uh, Shimei, the one who has the nerve to call out, David for his actions as he's leaving the city. Verse 10, but the king said, what have I to do with you, you sons of Zariah? So let him curse, because the Lord has said to him, curse David. Who then shall say, why have you done so? So now David is once again showing he's not all that loyal to his family or to those in his kingdom either. He's loyal to his son Absalom because he didn't want to go head to head with him and see any harm come to him. Um, so that's why he's just picked up and left, left with all his followers. Uh, but he's not loyal to the people who helped him get to where he is now. Zariah, the sons of Zariah, as they're called. Um, those are Joab's sons, if I remember right. Don't quote me on that. But they've been faithful to him, uh, at least in the battles that he's faced to this point. And now just like that, he's letting them know he has nothing to do with them. Um, even though they're following him now as he's being exiled. Um, and he's saying that, 
maybe it's God who's um, induced uh, Shemi to say those things and uh, pronounce curses on him. So he's saying, so who is he to counter that? Verse 11, and David said to Abishai and all his servants, see how my son came from my own body. See how my son who came from my own body seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite let him alone and let him curse for so the Lord has ordered him. So now David is recognizing that his the kids he's born are sort of a brood of vipers. We read already one of them was a rapist and then another one killed him. And now that same one who killed him has now decided to um, take the throne from their father, the king, king David. Um, so he had them. They're his kids. And he recognizes that maybe they aren't all that great. Um, and he's recognizing that his own son is the one who's chasing him out of town now. Verse 12. It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and that the Lord will repay me with good for his cursing this day. So David is now saying that even though Shemi is pronouncing those curses on him, maybe God is watching and will repay good for the evil that is being pronounced on him. Verse 13, almost as if he was innocent of the things that Shemi has accused him of. Uh, verse 13, and as David and his men went along the road, Shemi went along the hillside opposite him and cursed as he went threw stones at him, and kicked up dust. So Shemi is putting on a show, walking as they walk, up on a hillside as they walk, sort of like in a valley, and uh, kicking and clowning as he goes, calling him out for his deeds. Verse 14. Now the king and all the people who were with him became weary, so they refreshed themselves there. So they're traveling on foot, presumably, or at best, camelback, uh, horseback, uh, and moving along they're not in vehicles, so they're not riding luxury. Um, but um, so they've gotten tired and taken a break. Verse 15. Meanwhile, Absalom and all the people, the men of Israel, came to Jerusalem, and Ahithophel was with them. So Absalom is David's son, the one who's taken the throne from him and chased him out of town without even confronting him yet. Um, and he's also, according to what we've read, gorgeous. He's good looking from head to toe. And he's persuaded all the people, and it's saying Israel, so presumably it's the other tribes, not just the one tribe of Judah that seems to be most faithful to David, but all the other tribes that are surrounding that have decided to uh, choose Absalom, or at least go along with Absalom being their new king. Ahithophel is the king's counselor, who was counsel, sort of like the religious counsel to David, and now he also has joined forces with um, David's son Absalom. Verse 16, And so it was, when Hushai the archite, David's friend, came to Absalom, and Hushai said to Absalom, Long live the king! Long live the king! So Hushai is one of the foreigners who went to David and was willing to go along with David as he left the city and left the throne behind to follow him as he went on the road, and David sent him back Instead, saying it would be more useful for David and his cause if Hushai the archite went back and joined forces with Absalom, or at least pretended to, so that he could act as an informant, as a spy, um, while he's there with his son. Verse 17, so Absalom said to Hushai, is this your loyalty to your friend? Why did you not go with your friend? So Absalom's no fool. He's noticing that he knows that Hushai was uh, previously 
loyal to his daddy, David. And yet now, as David's gone, suddenly he's saying he's loyal to Absalom. So Absalom is asking him and questioning and wondering, is that how you repay loyalty? By just forgetting about your friend who was there for you and now just joining forces with the person who's taken over his throne? Verse 18, and Hushai said to Absalom, no, but, my, but whom the Lord and this people and all the men of Israel choose, his I will be, and him, and with him I will remain. So Hushai is saying he's not loyal to any one person. He's loyal to the kingdom, to the throne, whoever sits on it, whether it's David, whether it's Absalom, or whether it's someone else. He's saying that's who his loyalty lies with, not any singular person, which I guess would be a convincing argument coming from a foreigner, someone who's not of their own people. Verse 19, furthermore, whom should I serve? Should I not serve in the presence of his son? As I've served in your father's presence, so will I be in your presence. So he's saying, Hushai that is, saying that just like he's loyal to David and the throne that he sat on, now that his son is in, in his place, he doesn't mind being loyal to him too. In fact, he figures it's his duty, his honor to do so. Verse 20, then Absalom said to Ahithophel, give advice as to what we should do. So now Absalom is asking the king's counsel, Ahithophel, what does he think? Now, whether he's asking it about what does he think about Hushai the archite or what is it or about the entire cause of overthrowing David's kingdom and taking his place, I'm not sure. Let's read verse 21. And Hethophel said to Absalom, go into your father's concubines whom he has left to keep the house and all Israel will hear that you are abhorred by your father. Then the hands of all who are with you will be strong. So that's some pretty nasty counsel that he's getting from Ahithophel and has nothing to do with Hushai the Archite with what he said about him changing loyalty from David to now uh, Absalom. Instead, it is about the whole cause that um, um, Ahithophel is answering uh, Absalom. He's asked, he's asked well, give counsel. His counsel is that Absalom should have sex with all of David's side pieces that he left behind. Because remember, David has more than one wife that he's left with, but he also had side pieces, what they're called concubines back in the day, and he's left them behind to keep the house. And now the king's counsel is that his son Absalom should now have sex with all the side pieces that David left behind to keep the house. Nasty. Verse 21. And he's saying do it so that everyone can find out about it. And in doing that, it's actually fulfilling Another one of the prophecies that uh, David was given when he uh, had Uriah killed, that um, his um, there be division in his family. And then also we read previously that a time would come where someone is going to do the same dirty deeds that he did in the dark are going to be done in the light to him and his family. And it turns out it's his son that's going about fulfilling those prophecies. And I was paraphrasing that. But you can read back the previous few chapters and see it if you want to see the exact wording of it. Verse 22. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on the top of the house. And Absalom went in to his father's concubines in the sight of all Israel. So um, just like we have porn flicks in modern times, before now, before VCRs and DVD players, there were actually, actually live sex shows. And there still are in some parts of the world and even in this country I'm sure somewhere you can find them where people um, instead of watching it on a TV screen or a movie screen they actually have sex live and in person in front of you 
And since ancient times, people did the same thing. So it'd be just like pornography in modern times. So that is nothing new. Pornography is just a different media for the same sort of activity. So what he's doing now is setting up a live sex show with his father's side pieces on the roof, rooftop for everyone to be able to see it. So truly fulfilling, like almost to the letter, the prophecy that was given to David um, that would happen to him for his treachery and how he did Uriah and Bathsheba and their family. Um, his own son is fulfilling the prophecy for him for all the world to see. Verse 23, now the advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was as if one had inquired at the oracle of God. So was all the advice of Ahithophel, both with David and with Absalom. So Ahithophel is the king's counsel, but not just like um, political counsel. He's acting as the religious head, sort of like a high priest would, or the um, uh, major prophet of the kingdom. So um, just like we read how Samuel was, or how Aaron was, how Moses was, he's the religious king's counsel. So um, in the time of Ab when he was serving David, giving him counsel, and now in the time of Absalom when he gives counsel, all who hear his counsel take it as words directly from God to be trusted just as surely as it would be if you were talking to God yourself, is what verse 23 is saying. So when Ahithophel gave him that counsel to um, have sex with all his father's side pieces for everyone to see, people took it as, okay, this must be what God would have you do. And like I said, if you if you believe these are the prophecies were given, then he's actually fulfilling the prophecy that David got um, previously when we were reading here in 2 Samuel. Um, that's the last verse in this chapter, though, so that's where we'll end this reading. As always, thank you for joining me for The Naked Truth. I hope it's a blessing for you, and I hope you'll join me again. I love you, and again, Merry Christmas to you, and I'll see you next time. Peace be with you.